Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. Today we're kicking off a brand new series, like Pastor Gary said, it's called Soul Momentum. And I'm so glad you're here because I'm telling you, God is going to do some great things through this entire series. And I think this series is so incredibly relevant because um, I think all of us at some point in time in life have felt, you know, spiritually stuck, right? I mean, have you ever felt spiritually stuck where, you know, just there's nothing new, you know, there's nothing fresh, you know, things are a little bit stale. I mean, you can even come to church and, you know, you can just kind of feel, you know, kind of like the emoji, you know, eh, right? I mean, you ever felt that way? I mean, I know I have. I mean, there's some times when I've, you know, felt like, you know, eh, eh. And sometimes that feeling has, you know, lasted a couple of weeks, and sometimes it's lasted a couple of months. Even one time it lasted almost a year. But, and look, I wasn't hiding some, you know, kind of secret sin or anything like that. I was, you know, I was still praying. I was still reading my Bible, still living right, still doing all the stuff I was supposed to be doing. But, I mean, I just wasn't feeling close to God. I was just feeling, meh. So in that moment, like, what do you do? How, how do you gain some soul momentum back? And if you already have some soul momentum and you're really going great, well, then how do you keep it? How do you keep that momentum going? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in this series. So um, let me pause right here just for a second. I'm going to talk to the people just for a moment that are listening today who are not Christ followers yet. If you're not a Christ follower yet, this is, a, this is a great series to come to. I'm so, I really, I'm so glad you're here because, and the reason it's such a great series is because sometimes churches can, you know, lead us to believe that, you know, if you just make a commitment to follow Jesus, that from that point forward in your life, everything's just going to be rainbows and unicorns. Like everything's just going to be great. Nothing's ever going to go wrong. And the problem comes is that when that initial excitement, you know, wears off, and then difficulty comes in life and things don't go as they're supposed to, then people can sometimes think, what's the matter with me? Like, is there something wrong? Am I not doing this right? This, because it's not supposed to work like this. It's in those moments that sometimes people just drift off from God and go back to their former way of living. And so, if you're not a Christ follower yet, this series will give you a, a, a more authentic look at what you know, following Christ is really like. Because in a relationship with God, just like any other relationship, you know, there's ebbs and there's flows. Sometimes you're gonna feel really close to God and sometimes you're not gonna feel as close, okay? But it's not like God's gone anywhere, okay? I'm pretty sure it's us. <laughs> but you're gonna feel some of these ebbs and flows sometimes. So, what does it take to gain momentum back if you kind of stall out? And if you're going great, what does it take to keep that momentum going, okay? So that's the series. And so that brings us to what we're going to talk about today. Because today we're going to talk about three incredibly revealing questions that will help us gain soul momentum and keep it going, okay? Um, two years ago, I was at a conference and... Um, this, one of the speakers at the conference just, I mean, absolutely just blew me away. Not only had I never heard him before, I'd actually never heard of him before. 
His name is Kevin Myers. He's a pastor. And he started his talk by saying this. He started his talk by saying, um, as a pastor, God wants me to smoke what I'm selling and sell what I'm smoking, and I'm smoking Jesus. <laughs> That's how he started his talk. And then my first thought was, I wonder if I could get up in church and say, I'm smoking Jesus. You know? <laughs> I just did, right? So, <laughs> but, you know, but he started to talk by saying that because he said, you know, he said that there were three things, three questions that he asked himself to make sure that he's still smoking Jesus. Basically, these are the three questions that he asked himself to make sure that he keeps his soul momentum moving forward. And as I've thought about those three questions, and I've asked them for myself, those are the same three questions that have started my soul momentum and kept my soul momentum moving forward. And as I've thought about it, if you take all the main biblical characters, you know, uh, Noah and Abraham and Moses, David, Daniel, Peter, Paul, all of them had these same three components present in their lives when they were on top of their spiritual game. And so the question for us is, is that what are these three components and how can they help us? So how, what, what is it that can help us gain our soul momentum and keep it going? So pull out your, your sermon notes. Let's start by asking this question. What are the three re revealing questions that help me gain soul momentum and keep it going? Here's the first one. First question is, um, is this. Well, well, yeah, first question is this. What is my current word? What is my current word? I know that that sounds a little bit funny, but what I mean by that is, what is it that God has spoken to me recently, okay? So what we're gonna do, we're gonna take one biblical character, and let's take the, uh, Peter, and find out how he gained his soul momentum. Because look, Peter started out with some great soul momentum, right? Like he was the guy that walked on water. He was the guy who was the first one to confess that Jesus is the true Messiah. Uh, Peter's the one that said, Jesus, I'll follow you until death. But then Peter lost his soul momentum when he denied knowing Jesus three times. I mean, his soul momentum came to a screeching halt, you know. Well, what did he do to get it back? And how did he keep it going? Well, it ties into this first question, what is my current word, okay? So here's the setting. The setting is, is that Jesus has already appeared to the disciples one time, and he's already told them, he's like, hey guys, you go meet me in Galilee, and we'll wait for me there. So Peter and the other disciples, they go up to Galilee, and they're just waiting on Jesus to show up. Well, while they're waiting, they decide that they're going to go fishing. And so they go fishing, and then they see Jesus on the shore. So they go back. Peter actually jumps into the water and swims. The rest of the disciples row and get, get on shore. And they get there and they cook some fish. And after they cook some fish, this is what happens. Look what it says in John chapter 21, uh, beginning in verse 15. It says, the Bible says this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. 
The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, Jesus, I mean, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. And so when Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? That's Jesus' way of saying, hey, Peter, it's okay. Like, I'm not holding a grudge. I'm not holding on to that. All is forgiven. You just need to move forward and feed my sheep. That's what he said. And so that was Jesus' word to Peter. And it's that word that actually propelled Peter forward. Because honestly, from this point forward, Peter was never the same again. Peter was incredibly bold in his walk with Christ. He would tell anybody and everybody who Jesus was. In fact, Peter was so bold that eventually he became named the first pope of the Catholic Church. I mean, that's incredible. And so hearing this, you know, word from Jesus is the thing that started Peter's soul momentum moving forward. Now, you know, for me, most of the time, my current word comes from the Bible. So, so basically, you know, God's word becomes my personal word. It, it, it's how God speaks to me. Um, you know, have you ever been reading the Bible or ever been in church and heard the Bible read or, you know, talked about? And, and, and in that moment, it was just like, bam! You know, God was, you knew God was speaking to you through it in that moment, okay? That's what it's like when God speaks to you through the Bible, okay? That is God's word to you in that moment, okay? So I sat down a couple weeks ago, and I answered all three questions that we're going to talk about this morning. I started with this first question, you know, what is my current word? And I was asking the Lord that. The Lord reminded me of my Bible reading just a few days earlier uh, where I was reading the Sermon on the Mount. And I was reading the Sermon on the Mount just in you know, my own personal time alone with God. And as I read, I came to a passage in Matthew chapter 5. It was verse 48 where God says, where Jesus says, so be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now I'll be honest with you, I have never really understood that verse. And so, you know, that day I'm like, Lord, seriously, like be perfect? Like, how can I be perfect? I mean, I give it my best shot, but I've usually blown it by about 9.30, okay? <laughs> so what, what do you mean? And so the Lord kind of led me back to go look at the context of that passage. The context is, is that God loves the unrighteous as much as he loves the righteous. He loves all people. He loves them the same. And so God was saying, Hey, I want you to love all people because when God loves people, he doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't take things personally. He doesn't harbor resentment. When people walk away from him, he, he still loves them anyway. And that is what makes him perfect. And so God was saying to me, he's like, Mike, I want you to love people like that. Don't take things personally. Don't harbor resentment. Don't hold a grudge. Just love people like I love people. 
Because look, everybody has their own story. Everybody has a hurt that they're working through. Everybody is on their own personal, you know, faith journey. Everybody's going through some stuff. And the Lord was saying, you know what, I can, if you will love them, I can use that to draw them to myself. But if you hold people at arm's length and you hold on to resentment and bitterness and anger, then the devil will use that to drive them farther away from me. So, love people as I love people. Be perfect as I am perfect. See how that works? You see how that works out? See, that's why, I mean, that's why it's so important that you read your Bible on your own during the week. I mean, yes, you need to come to church, and so you need to, so you can gain some insight and understand how it's, but I'm telling you, that is not enough. You have to read it on your own during the week because you need to hear what God wants to say to you. Now look, if you've had trouble reading the Bible on your own life and you struggle with that, there's hope for you. Because look, next Sunday, next week in this series, I'm going to talk about some new ways that God has showed me how to read my Bible and get more out of it. And I'm going to share those things with you next week. I'm telling you, it's, it's really going to be good and you're going to love it. Um, but that's next week, okay? So my question to you today is this. What is your current word? What is it that God has told you recently? And what are you doing with it? Okay, let's move on to the second question. Second question is this. What is my current obedience? What's my current obedience? I want you to look at what um, Jesus tells Peter next. In verse 18, Peter, um, Jesus says to Peter, he says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You know, in case you didn't know, all of the disciples were martyred for their faith with the exception of John. And so Peter, when he was sentenced to death, they were gonna crucify him basically to mimic Jesus' death in a mocking sort of way. Well, just before Peter was crucified, Peter made one final request. He requested, requested that they would crucify him upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified in the manner in which Jesus was crucified. Wow. I mean, can you, can you imagine that level of obedience? I mean, not just being obedient to the point of death, but being obedient to the point of, of the kind of death that he willfully chose. I'm telling you, that is incredible. Like, that is an amazing amount of obedience. And it's so amazing, we're still talking about it 2,000 years later, right? So... What's your current level of obedience? What's your current obedience, okay? And I'm not asking you that, you know, you raise your hand and say, hey, somebody crucify me upside down, okay? That's, that's not what, where we're going with this, okay? But let me ask this. What habit or behavior are you willing to put to death because God is telling you to do so? What is your current obedience? You know, when I sat down a couple weeks ago and I asked myself this, 
Man, I'm telling you, the Lord jumped on me in a hurry because he showed me that there are some, some serious time wasters that I have in my life that, honestly, they get in the way of my relationship with Amy, they get in the way of my relationship with the kids, and sometimes they even get in the way of my relationship with the Lord. And uh, the, you know what, you know the key, the key component of my time wasters? You know what it is? It's this thing right here. Oh, I, had an, I, heard, I heard that down here in the front. Yeah, it's this thing right here for me. And so in my current level of obedience, it's okay, God. And so I had to delete a bunch of stuff. I mean, I had to delete a you know, bunch of serious time wasters, you know, like solitaire and risk and, you know, a few other, you know, things just like that. But I also realized I needed to make a commitment to stop relentlessly checking Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those kinds of things. Now, it, I do have a few short windows during the day when I can check it, but, but that's it. Like, I, I can't just constantly doing it all the time because it was waste of my life and, and getting in the way of other relationships. And I'm telling you, like, this is like super duper recent for me. But that's my current obedience. So what's yours? What is God asking you to stop doing? What is it that he's asking you to start doing? What is your current obedience? You know, for you, maybe it's just a, a commitment to say, you know what, I'm gonna live for Christ and not for myself. And that kind of decision starts by becoming a Christ follower. So if becoming a Christ follower, if that's something you've been thinking about doing for a while now, you can make that commitment today. Like you can become a Christ follower today. There's a prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Take a moment and I want you to pray that prayer right now. That would be your first step of obedience, okay? But if you've already prayed it before and you're already a Christ follower, what is your current obedience? What is it that God is asking you to stop doing or what is it he's asking you to start doing? And would you be one to obey? Okay. Third question is this. What is my current awe? What is my current awe? Now, remember when I uh, told you at the beginning of the message that, that these things don't have an order? Actually, I think I didn't tell you that. But there's no order to these, okay? Um, these are the order in which I ask them by myself. But if you look at the Bible and the examples in the Bible, they come in just random order. But they're all three components are always there. So it doesn't come in any order. In fact, this question, the answer to this question, actually comes first for Peter, okay? Let's look what happens at the beginning of John chapter 21. Here's what happens, beginning in verse um, 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Okay, that's the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cain, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. You know, maybe it was foggy or just, you know, low light. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, can't you just hear the disciples in the boat at that moment talking to themselves? I'm sure they're like, 
we're professional fishermen. Like we do this for a living. Oh, so of course that's it. We were just fishing on the wrong side of the boat. That must be it. Guys, you didn't know all night long we've been fishing on the left. Should have been fishing on the right. Let's throw them on the right side because that must be where all the fish are at. And so I'm sure, and just a, just a moment of sarcasm for themselves, in order just to kind of shut up this guy on the shore who clearly knows nothing about fishing, they were like, oh, sure, we'll just go ahead and do that. And you know what? Just to show them right, they did it anyway. They chucked the nets on the right side of the boat. Look what happens. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. Peter swims ashore and the other disciples row the boat, towing the net of fish. That is what happens. And so, see, for Peter, he needed this awe moment with Jesus. And he got it. And he was so blown away by what happened that it, honestly, it changed his life. And so let me, ask, let me ask you this question. What is your current awe? What would make you just jump in with both feet? You know, I was asking the Lord about this for myself a couple weeks ago. And, and it was a little bit of a hard question to ask, answer at first because, you know, I mean, God hasn't done any miracles in my life recently. I mean, he hadn't healed me of anything or anything like that. But as I asked him about this, my current awe is not something in my, that's happened in my own personal life, but it comes from another family in our church and what God is doing in their life. <coughs> it's uh, Travis and Kristen Cowan. Um, and some of you might know their story, some of you might not. But back in May, their 13-month-old son, Rylan, contracted bacterial meningitis. And he died. I mean, it was awful. Like, it was horrible. But their response to God is a source of my current awe. But I want to let you hear what they have to say. I'll let them tell it. So let's roll this video. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you Monday night was, for me, the worst because I realized how big this really was and that things were not um, a simple solution. You send your kid to the doctor to get fixed, not to the doctor to, you know, not eventually come back, but we don't know that. We're very hopeful. We, we you know, at this point, we were leaning into um, our, faith and just trusting that God had a plan for us and Friday was for sure our highlight as it was probably Ryland's best day and um, he opened his eyes for Travis and Corbin got to visit him and see him and interact with him and he was just glowing and um, you know that was the day that I got to hold Ryland too as I'm holding him um, 
probably only about three minutes in is when um, his heart rate drops and all these doctors come running in and they start to innovate him again. I have to leave the room. And I'm in the hallway just crying. I cry on this stranger's shoulder. I'm just praying to God so hard. That hurts so bad. I don't know what to do except for just pray and cry. You know, that day was hard and we were still hopeful. It's crazy to think back to that day, but we were still hopeful. And as the weekend progressed, we start to look at some brain scans from the MRI and the brain scans show us that there's more damage to his brain um, than the previous one. Chris and I had to have the hard conversation, the one that you don't want to ever have um, about your kid. I remember thinking as all this is going on that these are times that break families. She looks at me at that moment and she goes, we came in here together. We're doing this together. Whatever we have to do together, we do together. And then we leave here together. Here we are and we are leaning on each other. And in the process, we are leaning on God and just, it felt good. We had many opportunities where we could just like <clears throat> run away from God, where we could turn away from Him and we could curse Him, which we're human. We do have days like that. We have days where it just hurts and we fall apart and we cry and we're a vulnerable mess. But um, it's we've just chosen to trust in God and to know that this is all part of His plan, that He has bigger plans for Rylan, had purpose for Rylan's life. Um, you know, our family and our friends and our church community just holding us up, it makes my heart happy and uh, makes me know that we can go on and we can be okay and we can do this together in our walk with God. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, it's unbelievable. But what has me in awe is that, that that thing that would absolutely just derail most people, that Travis and Christian have instead said, you know what, God, we still trust you. God, we still have faith in you. We are still going to follow you even though it, the pain is almost unbearable, even though we don't understand, even though we have no explanation for this. God, we don't know why you did not answer our prayer. It does, but God, at the end, we are still going to follow you because you are God. I'm telling you, that is faith of biblical proportions. Now look, they, they still have bad days, I mean, as you would totally expect, but their response, it really, honestly, it really reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament when they were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. When they were gonna be thrown in the fiery furnace for not bowing down and worshiping the king, just before they were thrown in, they said, O king, our God is able to save us from the fiery furnace. But even if he does not, we'll still worship him. Now, did you catch that? Even if he does not, 
And see, it, it's just so easy to just read past that because we know that God does save them. But what about those times in life when God... Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.